Welcome to episode 57 of Beers, Business, and Balls, presented by House Enterprise and brought to you by Anchor. Go download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to listen to Beers, Business, and Balls and thousands of other podcasts. We're back. It was a little hiatus. Life is getting crazy. Uh, but we've got a great beer guest for you uh, with Mike Palmieri and Lee Holyoke from Side Hustle Beer Company, Jake Zimmer and Will Tondo. What's been cracking? I think it's been like three weeks. Yeah, quick break, but you know, you know, the end of the summer, it gets busy, but coming, coming this fall and the coming the next couple weeks, we got guests lined up. We got a lot of great things coming up for the show, House Enterprise as a whole, so stay tuned. But yeah, I mean, a lot has gone over in the past couple weeks. You know, sports are in full swing and the Olympics just concluded and the world's in shambles. The world's not in shambles. Stocks are up, stocks are down, but the only constant is good beer. That is the only constant for, sure. for the summer and for 2021 is some good beer. And we talked to another beer guest. I mean, we received a lot of great feedback and uh, just compliments about the Appenog. So shout out to Mike Webster and Tamara McKenney. People love the Appenog interview. We got a couple more beer guests in you know, in the next couple of weeks, but also in person too. Yeah, we're going to go so, record very soon. Which uh, is nice. Spoiler alert, it's a live interview. It's with a Rhode Island company. And I'm excited. Yeah, no, definitely excited for that. I mean, it's, you know, I was talking about it with somebody. It's like, they were like, oh, do you prefer the in-person interviews? It's like 100%. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 100%. It's like you get that and like being able to taste the beer in person too. And there's something about, you know, when you get somebody on their home turf. And They're just you, more comfortable right, there. They want to open up yeah. and they want to share what they've built and they physically want to let you sample the product too. And I mean, free beer helps any review for sure. We're not going to knock it, but there's something to be said about when you're on site with these people having those conversations. They're just more authentic and more real, which is great. Um, regrettably, we couldn't do that with this week's guests because they're all the way in South Carolina. It's Mike Palmieri and Lee Holyoke from Side Hustle Beer Company. Pretty cool story on how we landed this one. Uh, just vacationing with my parents in Hilton Head, and you know, I saw them on Instagram. Had to stop by for to, to sample some products, smuggle some back home if it was any good. Ended up being a great IPA that we had there. Walked back in and said, you know, where's the owner at? And they were like, we're the owners. Um, next thing you know, we're having a conversation with. I, what I think is the best window into the distribution side of the house that we've had with any beer guests. You know, I think we've had guests that talk about their product and beer a little bit more, but Mike and Lee were experts in their distribution channel, which I thought was cool. No, they were, ex you know, they were experts in the brewing stages, like going from becoming home brewers to actually doing this as a full-time job. Their business acumen was just, you know, pristine. Like Mike just knew the ins and outs about everything. He seemed like an expert in all categories and it was just like a, a really cool story of like that evolution of like, hey, this is a hobby in my garage to, oh shit, like we have something going for us in like a very big tourist area. Great stuff and a great interview from uh, both Mike and Lee. So Mike has corporate experience. Lee's got the homebrewing experience. Their paths collided and we've done enough talking. We'll let them tell the story of how they met and how they created side hustle beer company and what's to come so let's kick it to them it's mike and lee from side hustle all right everybody with us this week we have the founders of side hustle beer company they're located in hilton head south carolina um these two gentlemen had quite the journey you know from 
multiple years in corporate America to a winning oh, award-winning home brewer competitions. These two decided to create a business and a brewery that are becoming very popular down South and very popular amongst people that visit South Carolina. But Mike Palmieri, Lee Holyoke, again, the founders of Side Hustle Brewing. Uh, first and foremost, good morning. We're finally doing an 8.30 in the morning interview. It's been a while trying to plan this, but welcome on to the uh, Beers, Business, and Balls podcast. And Very much. Good morning, guys. Yeah, unfortunately, no beer for us at 8.30 a.m., yeah. but we've, yeah. we've had side hustle beer. Yes. I will not be drinking a, you know, a 7% IPA here at 8.30 on the East Coast, but we will, we'll give you guys the opportunity to shout it out soon. But thanks for coming on. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. So first and foremost, um, just in a few words, you know, introduce yourself, you know, who is Mike Palmieri and uh, Lee Holyoke and who are they inside Hustle? Yeah, uh, for myself, Mike Palmieri, I'm a, an old wireless industry veteran. Uh, got into that back in 1987, uh, which was a great opportunity. Uh, the industry was young and really just grew with it uh, as it evolved on the past three decades at this point. So that was my primary career. Uh, I'm a business person at heart. That's what I've always done. I enjoy craft beer, uh, but I am purely all about business. So Lee is the beer side of the house. Lee, who are um, you and what's your side? Uh, how'd you get to side hustle? Oh, I have many uh, paths and turns to, to get here, but... Uh, I was born and raised in Sydney, Australia. Um, I came over to the US in 1990. Um, I was actually a, a tennis player. So I was a competitive tennis player, highly ranked junior in Australia. I was recruited to uh, play college tennis over here. And uh, so anyway, I, I ended up staying here and, and my whole career was based around tennis. I was you know, tried to play a little bit professionally, not so well, but... Um, you know, got into the tennis business, uh, and so over my whole working career, I was I was in um, in the in the club arena, running tennis clubs and, and teaching lessons and things like that. So uh, from there, um, I I got into beer through my wife. Uh, my wife, uh, when I first you know, before we got married, when I first met her, she was in the uh, she still is in the wine business uh, and the sommelier so uh, she taught me how to uh, to taste wine and uh, I kind of got into beer that way I started to realize that you can taste really well-made craft beer the same way as wine and um, that started my whole craft beer journey and and uh, you know along the way had uh, met up with Mike and, and here we are we just recently opened Side Hustle Beer Company. We will, I want to hear about your tennis career too, a little bit later on, but we'll, uh, we'll, Mike, we'll start with you. You know, you had quite the experience in corporate America. Um, you had about 25 years uh, by my count, uh, including around 15 at the VP level or higher. Uh, you were the executive vice president of prime communications for about nine years. Um, a lot of that experience was, before that was at AT&T, you know, you're running mergers and acquisitions among many other hats. So what were some of the lessons you learned while, you know, that, that's a long time to spend in corporate America. So there must've been some, some lessons you took out of that. Um, and, you know, eventually what was the tipping point for you to go and, and say, you know, I'm done with this. I'm, I'm starting my own uh, side hustle and turn it into my livelihood. Yeah. Uh, certainly spending that much time in, in a corporate environment, uh, the opportunity to, to learn and to develop uh, 
you know, clearly in, in 30 years time, you're going to be surrounded by a lot of different people. You're going to gain so many experiences. Um, some are really great. Some aren't. Uh, but that's what you need in life to get ahead is, is the good, the bad, and the in between. And I had many assignments that led me to several cities throughout the country. Uh, so it was an opportunity to be put into new and challenging environments on a regular basis. Um, several appointments were for the purpose of going in and either starting up an operation or cleaning up an operation. So uh, with that, you accumulate these experiences over time. Uh, but, you know, 30 years later or so, uh, you pretty much have, have run the gambit. Uh, that is a career and looking for something just as a segue, because uh, I wasn't ready to just sit on the end of a dock and fish all day at this <laughs> stage of life. Uh, the, the beer thing, if you will, really just, just became an, an interest. And uh, just through, you know, developing a friendship with Lee and then starting to work with some other people really started on somebody else's project where somebody was taking the initiative to develop a brewery, but they really didn't have a, any plan whatsoever. And that's what I do. That's where I'm from, the world of, of planning and execution though. So, you know, you start developing models and, and different performers, and also you start running the gambit of all the ends of this business. Uh, when people talk about homebrewing and they think that, well, gosh, you know, this is really great. And for the most part, not to, make it very stereotypical, but, you know, hanging out in the garage with a bunch of guys, isn't this awesome? And let's just go ahead and open a brewery. It'll be fun. Uh, there's so many realities beyond that point, uh, going from home brewing to a commercial brewery. And you have to have experiences that are going to ultimately lead to a successful transition from that garage. Uh, first and foremost, uh, you, you've got a model list. Um, whose model you use, whether you develop your own, use others online, get advice from friends, does not matter. Uh, but you, you need to know what your plan is, what you want to do. This is your vision. And how are you going to make it a reality? Uh, I would suggest first and foremost, you have at least two, if not three times the money, the funds that you think you need uh, in order to start up this brewery. Uh, banks are not interested in loaning money for these, uh, rightfully so. Uh, they know the pitfalls, they know the failure rate, uh, especially with their money. So uh, you better be ready to fund it or have friends and family that are going to fund it for you. Uh, amongst yourself and or your team that's involved with this, uh, you've got to deal with the local municipality. You're going to deal with lawyers, architects, you know, real estate brokers, insurance agents, uh, you know, you better have somebody on your team that knows how to negotiate a commercial real estate lease, or you can really get hosed on that front. Uh, you know, you've got to have reliable people around you that when pressure rises, and it will, I guarantee uh, that they're not going to fold. And everybody's committed from the onset to the finish. Uh, you personally, and, and, and Lee and I can definitely attest to this, since this was born as a side hustle, uh, you better be able to work before dawn and after midnight. Uh, that's that's just a reality of what it takes to, to launch a new business. And there are times you're going to miss meals, you're going to miss sleep, and you better be an individual that when you do that, you can still form, you know, perform at a high level because uh, there's no excuses. Uh, you know, once this business goes live, it uh, doesn't matter how tired and stressed you are, uh, you still need to provide great customer experience to the person that's standing in front of you. So you have, have to have a significant amount of intestinal fortitude in order to do this, because now this is a retail business, right? And you have customers and it's a whole different ball game. Uh, 
amongst yourself and the team, you're going to need to cover an array of skills beyond making beer. Uh, are you mechanically inclined? Are, are you technically savvy? Um, can you do the major physical work that's involved uh, with a, a small scale brewery? Uh, if you're not able to do these things, you need to pay somebody else to do it because that is reality once again. Uh, you're not manipulating, you know, pots and pans and, and devices that you can physically handle anymore. I mean, the equipment uh, gets quite sizable quickly and the bags of grain are much bigger and all those aspects that you've got to be able to deal with on a regular basis. Uh, yeah, so that, that's just really just setting this thing up and understanding that, you know, you need to have a complete program, a complete package plan uh, that you're going to hone it and ultimately execute it, be willing to make adjustments along the way. Uh, but without a plan at the onset, I can pretty much guarantee you that the failure rate is going to be incredibly high. You know, so that, that's the first and foremost, why I would tell anybody is to do your planning. I always like to say that there's nothing like an ill-conceived plan being poorly executed. So it all starts with the planning. Mike, I think you should write a, a book of how to start a blueprint because that was, <laughs> I was just locked and loaded. That was that you laid down everything. You laid it down like, hey, take this risk. You're going to have to, you know, stay up late and wake up early, all this stuff. That was a, an excellent, excellent uh, description from the business side. One thing you did touch upon, though, was obviously the beer and that transition from the home brewing to, you know, this commercial side. So, Lee, first and foremost, how did you get into home brewing, you know, you went from a tennis player to starting this collection of equipment in your, in your garage to the formation of side hustle. But how did home brewing get into your um, hands and in your mind? Yeah. When I first got into craft beer, uh, you know, I became one of those, for lack of a better term, of the, the classic beer nerds. I mean, I was, I was the one chasing every brewery I could go to and, and, you know, online trading beers and just trying to get my hands on every, every next big beer. And, and I just became a, a beer fan. And uh, there was a um, craft beer store that opened up in Hilton Head several years ago. Um, and unfortunately I spent way too much money there. Um, <laughs> just happened to be on my way home every day and, and uh, got to know the guys there pretty well. And, uh, I noticed that they were selling uh, homebrew kits. And uh, so I thought, you know, they kept seeing those homebrew kits. And I was like, you know, maybe, maybe I need to try to learn to brew it myself because, you know, I can save money, right? So uh, I ended up uh, taking the plunge and, and bought a homebrew kit and, uh, you know, did a couple of batches. And they were, I don't know, pretty bad, I would imagine. Uh, and, uh, you know, it was one of those things, kind of like, you know, golf where you, where you, you know, you, you say, well, if I buy this driver, I can hit the ball 10 yards further and if I <laughs> buy this putter, I can make one more putter around. So homebrewing became that, you know, went from one piece of equipment to the next, to the next, to the next. Then suddenly there's no cars in the garage anymore. Uh, you know, and, and then eventually my garage be, became a, a, a small brewery that, you know, had six refrigerators in there and, and, uh, you know, just, it was ridiculous. So, uh, I just became obsessed with it and, uh, and and just brewed hundreds and hundreds of batches, just trying to trying to uh, make something that tasted decent. 
before we dive into, you know, how your guys' path crossed, Lee, you won three silvers and you won seven golds in regional qualifiers. You know, as much as you can share, what was your secret, right? What, uh, what about your beer was so different that it, it placed, you know, all those times in regionals and then three times in the, on the national stage? Uh, you know, I, I, I don't know what, what's different about it. Uh, it's just, it was just like I alluded to a minute ago, just, just hundreds and hundreds of batches of trying to get it to taste right. And, and as a coming from the, the beer fan side, you know, chasing up all these great beers. I mean, I, I, I used to base all my travel from work and, and, and for pleasure around trying to visit breweries. And, you know, that started off going to the, every time I went home to Australia, I'd, I'd, I'd obviously have to stop off in California. So I, you know, make a visit to Russian river and, you know, down to San Diego and places like that. So a lot of times I bring beers back with me and taste them next to my brews and, you know, just try to pick them apart and where, where am I lacking? Where am I hanging in there? And, and, and that's essentially how I just tried to hone what I was doing. And, uh, you know, it, it started to get, of course, you know, friends and family saying, wow, your beer is really good. And, you know, you take that sometimes with a grain of salt thinking, well, they're just being nice. And and then I had people that didn't know me start to say that my beer was good as well. So, so then I I thought, well, what the heck, I'll enter in a couple of competitions and um, yeah, for whatever reason did, did well. uh, And, and uh, especially on the, in the national homebrew competition did really well in those. And I, I think it was just a matter of, comparing some of the best beers that you could get in, in the world, in the country and in the world, and just kind of comparing them next to mine and trying to raise my standard up to that, that high bar. I know that's great. Now. So how did you two meet? How did, you know, Lee and Mike come together and form this side hustle? Yeah. Uh, it's kind of funny because I, I found my way to Lee's garage. Right. And it's about 20 miles away. <laughs> Uh, it was really through a, a mutual friend. Uh, the introduction was made. I think we, we'd met at, a, at somebody else's gathering kind of thing. And uh, in fact, there was a, another Lee. And I, and I just knew there's gonna be two Lees at this, this party, if you will. One's called Hop Lee and one's called Aussie Lee. And oh. I was trying <laughs> to keep them separated. Because one uh, was actually in the hops business. His uh, family had a, a hop farm out in the Pacific Northwest. And then I knew the other, the other league played tennis, but uh, brewed beer. So uh, it was just a circumstance meeting at a party and then just running into each other subsequently from there. And then ultimately, you know, in, in Lee's garage. Uh, but really it, you know, like anything else after a few years, as Lee said, you know, people would drink the beer and, and give nice feedback and so forth. Uh, but I, I had, every time I'd have the beer, I was like, wow, this is just something that, I haven't experienced. And then all of a sudden I started traveling a bit and drinking more beers and I'd come back and be like, wow, it just made me appreciate Lee's beer that much better. And so over time it was ultimately, Hey, if you ever want to do something. And I knew several people had said, said that to Lee in the past, but like anything else too, there's, they're saying it and there's doing it. And we got to a point where, and again, because of another project, I had ended up building a model saying that, gosh, you know, 
you sit down and you start talking about creating a brewery, it can get really big, really fast. And we all, you know, we buy into it. Uh, you know, you go someplace that is magnanimous, right? And, and you see the venue and the equipment and, and they've got everything. They've got the, the sports on the, on the wall and they got the, the kids play area and the dog play area and they got entertainment and they got a gift shop that's a thousand square feet. And you're like, wow. But a lot of that has nothing to do with making beer. And what Lee wanted to do was make beer. And that's where I started focusing on a model that said, well, what if you just wanted to do that? Uh, and you don't need to raise $4 million or $10 million, if you will, to do uh, an enormous brewery that ultimately is going to try to be all things to all people because you're getting in the entertainment business, right? It goes way beyond just brewing beer. And if you just wanted to make beer and sell it, uh, how could you do that? And I actually started thinking back to my New England roots. I was born and raised in New England and was accustomed to having hole-in-the-wall places that you would go to. And uh, sometimes you're like bending over, talking through a little screen window and you're ordering, you know, the, the clam, clam roll or the lobster roll, or it's the best place to get an ice cream or a pizza slice. I mean, they were just walk-ups, right? Uh, no place to sit or anything else. Uh, sometimes you're standing outside. Uh, but that concept is what I started to hone in and build a model saying, well, gosh, if you found a small place and not that we intended to find one as small as we're actually in, uh, but if you could just get the equipment in there, brew the beer and basically retail it out the front, uh, can you make this work? And can you do this where you can self-fund it too? And that's uh, how, how the business case developed. And, you know, this was something that was very appealing to Lee because that's ultimately what he wanted to do was to brew beer and was not, you know, thinking about all these other aspects of the ultimate brewery, but just, this is beer. We're, we're going to brew it. We're going to package it and we're going to sell it. And, and that's how our, our plan came together. So Mike, you, you know, when I was in South Carolina a few weeks ago, you and I briefly talked about this, but your distribution strategy, right. You know, tell us, Tell us how, you know, you kind of briefly alluded to it now too, but tell us what you're striving for side hustle to be. It's obviously not like a, a Boston beer company where you're distributing Sam Adams across the entire nation, right? Um, right. It's a place where, you know, you brew the beer, you retail in the front. Um, how, how are you getting this beer out to people, you know, around South Carolina, whether it was tourists like myself or whether it's natives that live down there, you know? What's your strategy to get beer into people's hands uh, down in Hilton Head and beyond? Yeah, for the immediate future, it's to do right as we're doing. And, you know, part of it is the complexity that each state is different. And South Carolina is uh, pretty, pretty backwards on several things when it comes to the alcohol business in general, not just beer specific. And there are advantages that you see in other states that you're like, well, why don't you do that? Uh, but the big reasons are that we simply can't. Uh, the only way we can distribute product in South Carolina is through a distributor. And being a three-tier distribution system, uh, it does not leave a lot of meat on the bone for us at the end of the day uh, to, to package beer or canned beer and to sell it. And that's because you're, you know, obviously have to leave margin for the distributor as well as the end retailer. Um, as it works in reality here, even if we were to keg up beer and, and we have lots of solicitations from some bars and restaurants here on the island, they'd love to have the product and we'd love for them to have it as well. But the problem is 
at the end of the day, depending on the level of beer, whether it's a, a lower end, like a Pilsner or a high end, like a double IPA or Imperial Stout, whoever is pulling the tap handle on the other end, they're going to make three to four times the money that we make mm. having done, made the product. And that's just not appealing uh, at, at this time. Uh, there are states that allow self-distribution, and that's something that I know South Carolina is looking at and talking about and trying to, to push through, where that would give us the opportunity to have direct relationships. Small volume, maybe it's 500 barrels a year or something they, that they approve, but something like that would be a game changer for us. Uh, but until that happens, and, and unless we significantly ramp up our capability in terms of production, it's just not worthwhile. Uh, right now, our distribution basically is you. Uh, the, the consumer, right? It's, it's customers that come down, excuse me, and they take the beer back to Boston. They take it back to Ohio. Uh, our beer has been everywhere at this point, uh, going across the U S that we know of perhaps even out of bounds of the U S. Um, yeah, which is really awesome. Uh, but for right now, uh, it works well for us because it also allows us to control the experience. You know, one of the things that that is certainly an issue for all brewers is when you make that beer and you package that beer and there's a lot of pressure on us to do all those things right. And when you do stick the landing and, and you've you know perfectly created that beer and it's in the package, once it leaves your hands, what happens to it? Right. That's the big unknown. I mean, is it going from point A to B perfectly preserved, you know, climate controlled and so forth? Or, you know, is it sitting on a loading dock somewhere in the sun where, you know, the ambient temperature is 140 degrees on the concrete and, you know, and then did it go in a reefer truck or not? Did it go into a reefer distribution house or not? You know, uh, the life of your beer, once it leaves your hands, is out of your control. And it's kind of a scary thing in the world of how it can work in distribution. And we've experienced it firsthand. Uh, you know, I guess you could say as a result of the pandemic, we were able to get beers here in South Carolina last year. We've never seen before. I mean, all the way from the West coast, some of the marquee breweries out of new England, the beers start showing up because, you know, they lost their ability to sell locally. So they all started packaging. And next thing you know, beers traveling 3000 miles, which is really cool uh, getting a West coast beer. But at the same time uh, we had a lot of cans that they just weren't right. And we know the brewery's good, uh, but we know the, the life of that can getting from, you know, Pacific Northwest to us, it was a tough one. And, um, you know, that, that's the, the, the biggest thing because certainly people can end up disappointed. You can point your finger at me next time because I took, you know, about a four, uh, yeah, I took eight beers back, smuggled them in the suitcase, wrapped them up nice and good and, you know, left them in the cargo and JetBlue back to, back to Rhode Island here. So. That's where they were, yeah. But that's, uh, that's what you, but that's what you want. You know, that's what yeah. you, as you've just mentioned, you know, that you want consumers packing that up and saying, you know, I, I went to my dad next to me and I called, I texted you right after. And I basically said, you know, this, this refraction IPA can hang with these New England ones. You have to try it. Right. And what's the only way to do it? You know, you, you have to make yeah. meat, right? So That's not the, you, you would be the better dis distributor for our product. <laughs> well, it's funny enough, you know, you were telling the story. I was like, yeah, once the beer is out of your hands, like you don't know what it is. We, you know, we're into the home brewing and we, had to send a beer to somebody and it was only from Rhode Island to New York, but still the second we, you know, packaged it up and, you know, brought it in and shipped it. I was like, is this beer going to make it? <laughs> I was, I was, I was nervous. It's, it's like, gonna I explode or get yeah. intercepted. Like <laughs> and it was a hot weekend too. It's one of those weekends, like 95, hundred degrees. I'm like, I don't know where it's sitting. I don't know if like, you know, if we package it correctly and all this stuff. So the beer aspect is definitely, uh, 
you know, and that was something small for us on a bigger size. It's like, that's a whole different. Hey, you guys are commercial yeah, brewers. That's, commercial that's, brewers. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. a real question that you must have. Yeah, absolutely. You know, when you see the stuff go up, go out on common carriers and right now too, it's, it's, there's a lot of delivery challenges in the U S not just in beer, just in general for everything right now, right. Shortage of drivers and uh, you know, so where's your product sitting? Uh, that that's what can be the killer part. You know, is it baking in a warehouse? Cause it never made it to uh, the, the cold room. Right. You know, I mean, those are the things that you have no control over. Right. Now, in terms of side hustles, you know, beer strategy, what what are you guys brewing? What is your you know, what is I'm sure there's much variety, but what is that like? OK, people are coming in to try this beer. What is that? You know, what is that style? All right. Lee. Yeah, well, it's uh, I know this, this is most people coming in, I guess, to, to try the IPAs. Um, you know, obviously, that it's no secret that those are the biggest seller in the, on the craft beer side. Um, it, it just happens to be good fortune that that's, that's what I like to brew and that's what I like to drink. So uh, as cliche as it sounds, you know, I really do brew the beer that, that I want to drink. But it just happens to be lucky that that's a, a lot of the beer that people are wanting to buy these days. So, uh, you know, I'd say definitely... Uh, IPAs and they're on, the, you know, definitely the New England style. Uh, that's that's I really fell in love with those years ago when they when they first came to to emerge out of the uh, the New England area. But uh, you know, beyond that, we 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 do some fruited sours and and uh, stouter too. And uh, I do a a New Zealand pilsner as well, just to have something a little bit different, not not something that's you know just bland or anything like that. they just wanted to have something that with a bit of new zealand hot influence to it uh to give it a bit of character so um those are the generally the, the styles that we focus on right now our capacity is so limited because we are we are so small i'd love to be able to do more uh, some different varieties but you know perhaps in the future but for right now the, those are those tend to be the styles that we focus on but predominantly most things revolve around our ipas and double ipas Lee, you were acclaimed for your IPA specifically, mostly at the, the homebrew competitions and whatnot. How, how did you find, you know, I guess transitioning is the wrong word, but venturing off into the sour game and, you know, the, the specialty beers, um, did you find there was a barrier? Did you kind of, was it just one of those things that's like, screw it, we want to make this, let's, let's go find out and see if it tastes any good? Yeah, I mean, those are things that I've done on the homebrew side. And, and uh, you know, fortunately, because of brew system is, is, it's not gigantic. It's, it's, uh, you know, I look at it as a glorified homebrew system essentially. So uh, a lot of it's, you know, everything's manual on it. So just, just like at home. So it wasn't a, wasn't a big transition. So a lot of the, you know, the stouts and the sours and, and things like that, we think that those were beers that I was, I was brewing at home already, um, you know, tinkering around with those things. But, you know, again, I predominantly brewed IPAs. That's, that's what I like to drink. Uh, but you know, summertime, I'd always have a, a brew of a sour beer or two, and wintertime, I'd, I'd throw in a, a stout here and there, and, and uh, this is essentially transitioning those to a, a, a slightly bigger system. So maybe it's unfair to ask, but it's it's hot seat time. Um, we're gonna put the two 
the two founders that are with us, uh, you know, on blast, we need to know what your favorite beer that you've distributed was, um, you know, at this, at this point, you've had a lot of them, which is great, but is there a beer that sticks out? Mike, we'll start with you that you're just like, this is it. This is the best beer we've ever made. Yeah, that's, is a great question because the fact that, you know, I, I would always say I'm an IPA guy all the way. I mean, that's where I'm going to lean, uh, lead definitely, threw a curveball at me uh, when he came out with uh, a nice pastry style called night surf that uh, I was never much of a dark beer drinker. And I'll say I first got hooked on our enough space, which is a coffee stout and found myself drinking it at night, which is the worst time for me personally. But uh, I thought, okay. And once we get past that, we got into the pastry stout and that definitely threw me for curveball. So I, I'm going to put it pretty high with the night surf uh, with the, the chocolate and the coconut in it, that that one challenged my IPA love, <laughs> but I'll hang on to my IPA love with our rocket emoji. And that's a, a double IPA. It features the Nelson Sauvenhoff, a little bit of Citra. And um, that would have to be my go-to. Yeah, for me, uh, yeah, that's, that's a tough one because uh, the, the kind of all my all my children so it's hard to, to say it's yeah. unfair it's like which is your favorite <laughs> child <laughs> yeah. but uh i think my two favorite hops uh right now are mosaic and, and nelson solvent and uh you know our refraction ipa is heavily dominated with uh, mosaic hops and that that would be high up on my list but but by far you know, my favorite hop that, that has been for a long time is nelson solvent and that, that dominates our rocket emoji. And uh, that's a beer I've been making for years um, when I can get my hands on, on Nelson hops are sometimes uh, scarce, but uh, I've been making that beer for a long time and I never get tired of it. And I'm never thinking, oh, what else can I make? You know, what else can I drink right now? So that, that's the top of my, definitely the top of my list. Those all sound great. So, I mean, now it, now it's nine o'clock. I think it's more appropriate for uh, to try a beer, but uh, yeah, right before work, yeah, right perfect. before work. Why not? Um, we got a few moments left. We kind of just want to go over a couple more questions. You explained the inception of you know side hustle. You explained the beers that you provide. But now let's talk about the future. You know, what does the future of side hustle look, you know, not only from the beer perspective, but also the business side as well. You know, where, what can we expect from both of you in the next year or even the next five years? I'll talk the business side and then Lee will give you the, the beer roadmap uh, from a business perspective, you know, right now, uh, like anything else, you, it, it's easy to get, kind of get lost in, in where you're at uh, once you're going full steam ahead. Uh, can't forget where we were last year as a country, as a world for that matter. Uh, we opened this business on December 30th, uh, which was still kind of in the fray of things. Uh, so here we are now, seven months later, uh, the business has been solid coming out of the gate. Um, but at the same time, we don't want to get over our skis. You know, uh, we're going too fast, too soon uh, can, can lead us into a, a new pitfall, if you will where growth is always the toughest thing to manage when you're in small business. Uh, generally, you, you know, you're going to find yourself, you're going to redline at one point and say, all right, now in order to get to the next point, right, there's this chasm that we need to cross. And what does it take to get there? Uh, because that place in between 
is the toughest place for small business uh, because in many cases you're going to find there's more time, more effort, more money needed, but not necessarily more profit at the end of the day. Uh, you just kind of get in, into that, that stuck in the middle point where you, you need to quickly get past it and get above it where all of a sudden things smooth out and it was worth, worth the while from a growth perspective. So for right now, we're just focusing on our efficiency. Uh, you know, who knows what the next you know, six to 12 months bring as things are still bouncing around here with um, this Delta variant now. So uh, we're, we're feeling good where we're at. Uh, we're essential. We can continue to make beer. We can continue to sell beer directly. So we're in a safe place, uh, but we're just focusing on the efficiencies of the business and then looking at practical growth that will, you know, that will build in a step function manner versus going for a huge stride where we may find ourselves split between like a boat that's moving away from a dock. Right. So uh, that's, that's really it from a, a business outlook standpoint. From the from the beer side of things, it, you know, what my job is to make beers that, that people want to drink and want to purchase. And and right now, I mean, we've only been we've been going such a short amount of time. It's just I'm still perfecting all the little nuances uh, that are involved in in a commercial uh, brewery. And that you know, from brewing the beer on a bigger system to packaging that in, into cans. I'm just you know, really trying to dial that in. So I haven't had much uh, time or ability with, just, with such a small crew with just Mike and myself and, and, and his better half and, and my better half helping him when, when they can. Uh, it doesn't leave a whole lot of time to, to think about uh, what, what we're going to do, even do next week. So for right now, it's, it's, it's almost just a day at a time getting through our uh, very, very busy tourist season. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll re reevaluate uh, a little later down the line. And that's all. Yeah. What, <laughs> I'll go. <laughs> um, phenomenal stuff. And in one sentence, guys, just to recap everything, you know, you guys quite literally turned your side hustle into your livelihood, right? Um, what would you say? What, what's that one sentence you'd say to someone that's trying to do the same thing? You know, what, what's that one thing that you would say to, to somebody that's has a business wants to turn it in their livelihood. Yeah. Uh, for me, uh, again, I'll get back to saying that get your plan together, hone it, refine it, and then go fast on the execution. Cause once you put this ball in play, all right, you're going to start spending money. Right. And the only way to, to get out of it, is to get your cash register started. So unless you got a lot of money to burn and you just wanna be in this place where you just vacillate, uh, you need to quickly go from the plan, get it down to where you, where you can go. And it may not be hundred percent, right? But close enough that you just focus on getting your cash register open, all right? Cause you will burn more time and money than you would ever expect. Lee, one sentence, what about you? Uh, get involved with somebody like Mike that knows what he's doing and he can take care of the, the important stuff while, while I just do the easy stuff like brewing beer. <laughs> Guys, as we're wrapping up, thanks so much. Uh, where can our listeners find Side Hustle and engage with your content? Yeah, so uh, all over social media. Uh, we're at, uh, at Side Hustle Beer Co. Uh, Instagram, Facebook, 
if you're down on Hilton Head Island, you come down to 144 Arrow Road on the south end. You can throw a rock at the, the famous Sea Pine Circle and uh, love, love to see you. Yeah, we're there most days. Our retail hours are right now for season on Mondays, 3 to 6 p.m., Thursday, Friday, Saturday from 2 to 8. Uh, but we're generally there most days because we're receiving in grain, we're receiving, receiving packaging equipment, we're brewing, canning, and so forth. So come see us. Awesome. Well, thank you both so much, not only for sharing the story, but uh, taking the time as well. We wish you the best of luck. And then next time we're down in Hilton Head, we'll grab a pint with you. And uh, thank you again. We appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Fantastic. Thanks thank very you. much, guys. It's great. And that was just Side Hustle Beer Company, Mike Palmieri, Lee Holyoke. Two great guys. Great story overall. I mean, that, you know, like we said in the beginning, it's like that is truly like the American brewing dream. And they turned a hobby into something so much bigger. And it's just a, it's a good inspiration story. It's good words of wisdom from those two. Yeah, I agree. I mean, that's it's kind of wild that, you know, the people that Lee used to brew with just doing some research, they would just be walking in their neighborhood and they'd look at Lee's garage and be like, oh, shit, that guy's cooking something up. He had and a little like speakeasy pretty yeah, much. Like, he was making beer out of his garage. Like there were no cars that I think he, I don't know if he said it on the interview or off the interview, but he's like, we got to the point where there were no cars in the garage anymore. It was just all my brewing shit. So, and then he, you know, he finds his beer partner walking around in the, in the neighborhood and goes, shit, I, I make beer too. You know, I'd like to make some with you. He wins all these homebrew competitions. And the next thing you know, I mean, they're, they're going for it. It's no longer their side hustle. And that's some good shit. Um, good shit indeed. And you know what else is good shit? Goldie gummies. Oh, what a transition. Goldie gummies. Oh it's my been God. a few weeks. <laughs> you know what happens in a few weeks? Your vitamin supply is out. We're keeping tracks on who's buying. We're seeing that you, you know, what you're, you know, what bottles you're getting and the what you're supplying. People get up. You know, we gotta, we gotta get the refills, and we're gonna give you that special deal. If you don't know what Goldie Gummy is, it is a nutritious and tasty vitamin that um, pretty much emulates what a apple cider vinegar shot does. It's only better. Um, we've talked about it on the show. They have great product. We use it in our everyday routine and you should try it out yourself. Like I mentioned, we're going to get you 10% off. So go to goalie.com and use the code, the BBB pod, get that discount, get your refill, make that an everyday habit. Goalie.com slash the BBB pod. I just re-upped. I got three bottles coming because I got the, the ashwagandha gummies, but now I've got the... I need to restock on those Apple ones, yeah. man. And, you know, they'll drop that like they 35% off every now and then, too. You stack that right on top of the BBB code. They go quick. Just fucking go for it. Like, I, I, I love that. I love it. I've been away from it for about a week now, and I'm... I, I visibly, you know, I'm, I feel better when I'm taking goalie. Mm -hmm. I mm -hmm. do. That's just a fact, so get on it. It's, uh, you know, no free ads, but these people are great. Uh, get on it business pretty quiet week as as is expected for end of august i mean there's not much going on i mean the world's collapsing among us right that we're not going to get into what the hell's yeah, going on internationally yeah. but um as far as the american markets go pretty quiet but warren buffett's back in the picture hmm. and this was a pretty good story that we just found um berkshire hathaway who is of course the the massive investment company you know they what more can be said about Berkshire Hathaway pretty much. They had a bunch of investments in healthcare. And all of a sudden this week, I think as recently as today, actually, you have Warren Buffett re-upping a bunch on Kroger. 
which we don't have Kroger here in the Northeast. Uh, there's a lot of Kroger across the nation. I think the stat was is it the biggest supermarket chain in the nation. One of the largest. One yeah. of the largest. And probably the world at that point, too. But I don't like this move. Okay. Tell me more. I don't like this move. Tell me more. So, I mean, not a conspiracy guy. That's for our friend uh, Connor. Mm-hmm. But the Warren Buffett is usually a pretty good indicator of what's happening next you know he's always one step ahead and it's like he's buying kroger one of the largest supermarket chains in the country 11 million shares i believe the number was in the fall what it seems like what's you know coming up with everything going on is that we're going to head back into some kind of mini lockdown you know mass requirements Mm. coming back covid numbers are still high even with the vaccine Signs are kind of pointing that way, unfortunately. With restaurants and bars closed, people are going to have to go back to the grocery stores. And if you remember the grocery store back in March of 2020, I mean, they were making hundreds of thousands of dollars each day. You're rolling. And they didn't have the product. And now with people being more prepared and if a lockdown does happen, I mean, Kroger is going to be booming. I mean, they haven't stopped, you know, being a massive cash cow right now and they're making a ton of money but a lockdown comes they're going to be raking in the dough and so is warren buffett so but you said you don't like the move so what's i don't like the move in terms of like the the press is the, like what's happening what's oh, gonna, like, i don't yeah. like i don't like the move where it's like he's usually right and that means like we're going to oh, go that into means, a lockdown. Okay. That's yeah, all right. Like, in terms of a, a financial I standpoint. I thought you meant you didn't like that. Oh, no, no. From a financial standpoint, 100%. Like Kroger, if like you buy low right now, it's going to skyrocket. And same with other grocery store chains. Like that's a solid business move, but a consumer move. Ugh. Oh, for consumers, this is probably not good. Well, it just might mean lockdowns. I mean, this is probably, this is the way to go for Buffett, yeah. I think. Um, and, you know, in... In transition to pay for it. And by the way, before we close the book on Kroger, they have Berkshire Hathaway has 62 million shares of Kroger now. That's a lot of money. So what is that? It was 43.45. What's that times 62 million? Uh, all right. Bad radio. 62.000. So that's 62,000. Or no, 620,000. All right. That's going to be go. it. Ready? Oh, uh, shit. It's a lot of zeros. Okay, ready? It's... 26, that's billion. That's 2.6 billion. billion. Right? That's 2.6 fucking billion dollars that they have in just Kroger. Now go to the uh, the chart for Kroger. Let's see what they've done in the past... Um, the past year over year. Past three months. Past six months. It's been... Okay, I mean steady. They've been up six percent in the past month alone. So it's six percent of that billion. Six percent of that. So times point oh six. Oh my god. That's I, still one hundred and sixty-one million dollars profit. <laughs> like that's one hundred and sixty-one million dollar profit oh if that's god. what they just did over three months. That's fucking. That's insane. fucked up. That's that's real fucked up. Six month has been twenty six point two percent. Are we going down that path? Go to the year. Go to the year. Oh shit! Year to date's thirty five. Oh, over the past year is just twenty one. How the fuck? 
Wow. So the five-year gain is less than the year-to-date gain. But still, I mean, what is the five-year? The five-year is 33% still. I mean, that's like, that's that's absurd. That is a... But look at how volatile it was like 2017 and 2018. You've got like 35 bucks at one point in 2016, actually. And then it goes down all the way to 21 bucks. <laughs> and then COVID hits and they're just on a skyrocket Sky to heaven. Rocket. They're at a they're at a career high, if you will. Is that the stock It's not career high, but it's you know all time high, fifty yeah. two week high, blah blah blah, all that stuff. Um, speaking of these industries and whatnot, let's make a bet on what industries are coming back or maybe on the come up. You have anything in mind? I'm thinking government contracts. No, um, I wonder why. Yeah, thinking unfortunately government contracts with. Not only what's going on in Afghanistan, which is unfortunate, and we decided not really to touch upon it just because there's a lot of new information coming along and it's becoming a little dicey and political. We'd rather wait till more of the facts come out and we can talk more of the business standpoint of it. But government contracts, because of that, and also with the ramped up vaccines, more distribution, mm. if, if, maxi, if vaccine starts becoming mandatory, they're going to need to, you know, Higher additional support, not only for the National Guards and Reserves and stuff. They're going to need those government officials. So I'm saying, unfortunately, government contracts. All right. But companies like Raytheon. Yeah. Um, you know. GD. GD. Draper. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm with it. Sadly, I think that's that's what it is. Just the term war scary, yeah. right? But it also means money. Um, Morning Brew had a great thing on the cost of war today. You guys should look at it. Um, Morning Brew also had something that I'm going to reference in my industry thing. Here. It says, the trend to watch on Wall Street is whether financial and energy companies will continue to outperform high-flying tech companies. And I think energy's back. Mm-hmm. I think with all this, you know, and maybe we'll have to see what happens with, you know, this ugly situation in the Middle East again, but... You have a president sitting in office right now who's dumping money into clean energy. Um, It's been almost, how long has he been in office? Man, six months. Jury's out on, you know, what you want to call those six months. If they were good, bad for the country, blah, blah, blah. We're not a politics show. Um, But what we are is a business show. And when you have bills going to the, you know, the Senate and Congress and all that stuff about, you know, these companies need to have X amount of, uh, you know, revenue and clean energy by this amount. You know, I think the bubble's going to burst soon. I don't know how soon. I don't know how much of a priority this shit is all going to be with national security. But I'm going to say these energy companies keep uh, on this this a little bit more steeper track than these uh, tech companies do. Mm-hmm. That's my hot take. Especially if there's issues now in the Middle East again, you know, exporting is going to be you know, harder and more expensive right. with, you know, just global conflict. So so then does that cost even out of, you know, because naturally the new energy methods are more expensive to procure. Are we looking at something similar where it kind of evens out? Who knows? You know, that's only going to be a matter of time before we find out. Um, but yeah, a lot of shit coming out of the Middle East with, with exports, imports, all that kind of stuff. So, I mean, it's, um, it's a crazy world right now. Mm-hmm. It is. Weird week in business because not much is affected because we don't know, you know, how this again impacts the American economy, things like that. But, um, but yeah, I mean, these industries are are going to be on the come up in some way, shape, or form. I think mm-hmm. that closes the book on business. Anything else in business? I mean, we don't have crypto news because crypto is just all over the place still. No, no, I think that's I think pretty much good. 
squared away on business for now. Yeah. Let's go to balls. And this is going to be August 17th by the time we drop this. I mean, the NFL is literally like three, four weeks away. Yeah. Preseason's already started. Fantasy drafts are getting scheduled. Um, You've already got like prop bets on when Mac Jones is going to be starting for the Patriots. You've got the same thing with Justin Fields in Chicago. I mean, the NFL's coming, and I'm pretty pumped. Yeah, I mean, it seems like after this first game of preseasons, the over-exaggerations are filing in. Um, yeah, you know, they they're already saying that this quarterback class is the most pristine. It's it's pretty much the, the league's in good hands kind of oh, thing. Goodness like, gracious. The future is bright bullshit. But, <laughs> I mean, at the end of the day, though, all those quarterbacks did perform quite well in their first game. Uh, Justin Fields had himself a day. Zach Wilson looked nice. What did Trevor Lawrence do? Did he was he... fine. He was like 6 for 9 for 88 yards. Like, nothing, like, nothing to write home about. And everyone's like, oh, we should be worried. It's like, yo, it's preseason one. He gets like 10 snaps. Um, <laughs> Sam Ellinger on the Colts because Carson Wentz is out. Oh. Trey Lance is doing well. Yep. Yeah, a lot of a lot of sneaky names on the come up. But yeah, I mean, I always laugh about the people that want to start fantasy drafts now, you know, in August, because it's like, we're already a week in and Rashad Bateman on the Ravens is hurt, who's supposed to be a, a, a very highly touted wide receiver prospect and michael thomas wants to get traded yeah he wants out of the saints and it's like i don't fucking blame him i don't blame him they're gonna suck so it's like there's a lot of stuff going on um you know haven't really watched a lot of hard knocks either unfortunately no it was a little boring i started i watched the first episode like a couple days later and i was kind of like snooze fast it's the boys this year right yeah i mean like I'm a Giants fan, so it's like I don't really. Yeah, you know, you, it's so cool to interest. Yeah, there. it's still it's too, it's still cool to like watch the show because it's produced very very well. But it's like Dax comeback, and you know, also um, who's the running back? Why am I drawing uh, Zeke? Zeke Ezekiel Elliott, like he comes back, and Mike McCarthy and Jerry Jones. It's like eh, it's fine. All your most favorite football people yeah. in one place. It's like I could really, you know, care care less. And it's like they don't really have that like character or story yet. It's like yeah. the Raiders had Antonio Brown and John Gruden and the Browns were the Browns. See, that had... was already one of the best hard yeah. knocks, like and the most eyes on it for sure, because you have a wild personality in A B. You have a just a, a hardcore weirdo in fucking John Gruden, and then you have all the supporting characters. Who was it last year? Did they even do it last year? Did they year? do it last year? Okay, fact check. Hard knocks. It wasn't the Browns. It was oh, they did the LA teams. Oh, the, the LA teams. I don't. I did not that watch one. it. Yeah, a I don't single really episode. That one. I know they did that, but I don't. I could not tell you a single yeah. storyline. That one's yeah. The Steelers were favorites, but they have long. It says they long opposed to appearing on there. The Steelers could have been interesting. Yeah. So what's a team you want to see on Hard Knocks? You don't want to see your team. Oh, never. <laughs> you don't want to see your team on it, but you also like. There's a small part of you that like wants you to be like, yo, I want to kind of like see what's going on on the inside from mm. a different perspective. It's yeah. like I want to hear these conversations that are like raw, and I want to you know see what's going on on the field. Like, think of the Giants one this year, right? It's like first day of practice. Offensive coordinator uh, Jason Garrett's wearing a fight shirt and a huge brawl gets out. Mm. Joe Judge gets pissed off and starts running laps. Three guys retire because they're like, 
soft and don't want to like have any tough love anymore and hard coaching it's like it would have been you know the return of saquon all the eyes on daniel jones it would have been like a very interesting storyline but also it's like i would love to see the the outcome and the records of teams that were on hard knocks and what they did that following season i, mean, I think if, somebody did that i can't i don't remember I mean, if, if you go back to the list of them so it's like all right so chargers and raiders didn't really do anything no uh I mean, the Browns... Or, sorry, the Rams and the Chargers. The Rams made the playoffs, but, like, still, they had a huge blockbuster trade afterwards, pretty much rebuild. Chargers, it's like, yeah, Justin Herbert went off, so they saw saw some promise, but no playoffs. The Raiders, that whole Antonio Brown. The Browns, that was, like, their first year, but they didn't make the playoffs yet. The Bucks in 2017 was, like, the Jameis, so they were still, like, a young team. Was it? Yeah, Jameis was on that squad. They have a whole thing for 2017 NFL deaths. That's weird. That, that is weird. Weird move, Wikipedia. So, I mean, the teams don't really do well necessarily the next oh, year. Oh, the Bucks finished 5-11 and 11 yeah. that year. So it's like, eh. I mean, they pick shitty teams. But so look at this. Like, if you go in reverse, you know, like 2017, the Bucks, Super Bowl champions, then 2021. 2018, Cleveland Browns. 2021, they got to the playoffs. Yeah. Um, the Raiders are still it's probably like, going to yeah, suck. It's like a two-year bump. Um, yeah, I, uh, fuck, I don't think the Cowboys are going to be any good. No, I don't ever think Ever so. the I next couple so. years unless they turn shit around. They need defenders. They did get Micah Parsons. I know. that's He's going to be good. But he's all talk. So my team that I want to see is the Jets. The Jets would be an interesting one. I want to see the Jets on Hard Knocks so badly. I think Robert Sala is perfect. Yeah. For, like, you know, he seems like a big enough football guy, like, where he's the same mold as Joe Judge, but he's not as much of, like, a psycho mm-hmm. as Joe Judge is. And I think you're, you make a good point. Joe Judge would be excellent TV. Yeah. He really would. I, I do hate to say it because, you know, I, even though I'm a Patriots fan, you know, I do like the Giants, right? I'll, I'll root for the Giants. They've We've made some money off the Giants uh, this last year, so... The Packers would have been an interesting yeah, one. Yeah, they would have. Well, that they would have never let HBO close no, that locker room. No. And then uh, the Cardinals would have been kind of cool. You I know, would like to see JJ that. J.J. Watt, DeAndre Hopkins, and Kyler. Green, Kyler, Cliff Kingsbury. Um, I yeah, think that would that actually would, be a fun one. A, that would have been a good one. I think if we're tossing realistic stuff out the window, I would have most liked to see the Packers. Yeah. Because yeah. that shit was probably nuts. Or the Bucks, honestly. The Bucks would have been cool. Bring and then the you can just lump together. the Saints in there. You can lump... Uh... No, I wouldn't hate the Bears. The Bears. Interesting. Um, all right, but that's NFL. Uh, we're going to have a lot more, obviously. So stick with us there. Um, baseball, we'll, we'll save the Yankees for another day. We will. I, we keep saying that, but... Another day. Anthony Rizzo, Joey Gallo, love them both. That's all. Give the ball to the Italians. Mm-hmm. I got that. I finally got my Gallo uh, and Rizzo with the Gallo and Rizzo's meatballs with the fucking, I don't know, what's that hand gesture called? It's the Gabagool. It's, <laughs> no, no, it's not. The hand. Yeah, it's not the, called the Gabagool. No, but it's like. <laughs> but it's like, you say it when you say yeah. Gabagool. Yeah, you do that shit. Yes. Like, where's the fucking easy, Gabagool? Easy reference. Yeah. Um, but baseball, Field of Dreams game. For those of you that don't follow baseball, Field of Dreams is a great movie with Kevin Costner. They, it's basically about dudes that go and play baseball in a cornfield. They make a, a field, and to save you the movie, um, 
they went back and they built another baseball field right next to the movie site and they played an MLB game on it. And it was the coolest thing in the world. The question we have written is, should it stay? I'll go first. Yes, it should. It should come back every year. It should be like the Winter Classic game. Tickets to get in the damn stadium were three grand. Yeah. To get into the stadium, 3,000 bucks. Like, that that should be a wake-up call to Rob Manfred and say, oh, shit, we just put millions of dollars into our pocket. Dude, in the local economy of Iowa, I mean... Those that play, the town around where the stadium was. I mean, think about like the hotels, the hospitality, the restaurants. They were, had to be going off the chains like in that. Fucking Dubuque, yeah, Iowa. That definitely in helps August. helps them out, especially with COVID so much. And I mean, for a baseball standpoint, this was the most watched regular season game in the history mm-hmm. of Major League Baseball. Yeah, a random fucking Thursday night in Iowa in a cornfield. Knocked the socks off the ratings. And side note, it was a phenomenal game, too. It was a great game. The Yankees lost. This was one of the only games that I can confidently say I watched every pitch. And I was okay with it. You know what? It mm-hmm. was like, it sucked that they lost as a fan, but like the game was picture perfect. It couldn't have ended any better. It was written like a movie, and it needs to be there to stay. I mean, it was talked about so much on social media. People were loving it. Uh, I still think the balls were juiced. <laughs> I, you know, I thought like similar to like the London games where it was like the Yankees Red Sox and it was like a 1916 ball game. So the fences were weird in that game weird and the fences. fences were also I thought they were a little short in the Field of Dreams game too. It looked a little short. I don't know that we ever got dimensions. They did look a little short. I mean, there was not one home run that like was like, "Ah, that wasn't a home run." Like they were all like pretty crushed. No, they were out. But like you also couldn't really tell because it's like there was no seats to like gauge or yeah. like height. Stanton's at the end though. It was very close. Yeah. That was the only one. Yeah. And you didn't really know how tall those fences were until Aaron Judge went up there and his head was like even with the corn. So they're probably like 6'5". Yeah, they're probably 6'5 six, six, fences. Yeah. It's kind of like the short. I eh, know the short porch is. The short porch is taller. The one in, yeah, the one in Fenway though. The Fenway. Oh, you could. No way. Yeah. That's like two. Yeah, that's like <laughs> two, two, three, three feet. feet. Yeah. Realistically, it's probably like four. J.D. Martinez accidentally grabbing boobies that one year. Mm-hmm. Bad look, J.D. Bad look. That's why he's a DH now. Yeah. Can't have him grabbing, grabbing boobs out there. Speaking of Field of Dreams, though, Cubs and Reds are the uh, 2022 edition. Oh. Cubs versus Did Reds. they just break that? They just broke that today. And I think the Reds are smoking the Cubs right yeah, now. Yeah, it's like 14-5. <laughs> yeah. Fuck the Cubs, dude. I'm so mad at them. That'd be a... <sighs> the Reds are a come-up team. They, I mean, they look great. You have Winker, you have Jonathan India, who they say might win the NL Rookie of the yeah. Year now. Like, turned in from a meme from Jared Carabas to like, oh shit, he's actually really good. Castellanos, Flaherty, Castillo... The Reds are yeah, <laughs> Castellanos. <laughs> the Reds are fucking a low key team. They are, and, and Bustakis too. Amir Bustakis, Garrett's on that Amir team. Garrett. I fucking hate Amir Garrett, but Sonny Gray. Yeah, true. Alex Reyes. They Castillo already, yeah. right? They um, kind of have a nice little squad. Tucker Barnhart's pretty good. The catcher. Uh, I mean, they're they're good. Interesting. They're better than the Cubs are. Anyone's better than the, the Cubs, Cubs will are. Be, the Cubs will be just fine in a couple they years. They will. Yeah. It won't take like four or five years to rebuild. No, it's a retool. People are saying they're going to sign Corey Seager, and I totally disagree with them. Yeah, he could go anywhere. I mean, But not the Cubs. I don't think he's going to the Cubs. He's leaving the Dodgers. Yeah, I think so, too, but I don't got think Trey he's... Turner. Holy, what a... Imagine upgrading Corey Seager for Trey Turner. Yeah. Like, not even a big deal. I don't, Like, they're both on the same team. That's just fucking crazy. Like, that's crazy that's to me. Crazy. And he could play outfield. Who, Seager? T- 
Turner. Yeah, Turner just like plays if they, everywhere. If they wanted to keep him, they're like, yo, we'll just make you a super utility outfielder too. Yeah, Turner's sort an of outfield of, An outfield of Turner, Betts, and Bellinger. Oh, my God. That's fucking dumb. Well, what do you do with... Well, yeah, I guess now that Turner's not at second base, you just throw Chris Taylor there. Chris Taylor can play outfield too. I mean, like... Well, think of... That's what they did with yeah. Chris Taylor. They're like, fuck it. You're not a second baseman anymore. You're playing left Mookie and right field. Mookie can play second. Yeah, Mookie actually can play second. And he did... The Dodgers have used him there. Only a couple of times, but they used him there. That's the most infuriating part about the Dodgers. It's like, in the past three years... Not only have they had their stars, right? They had the homegrown talent of Kershaw and Bellinger. And then you get guys like Muncie and Taylor and Seager. Max but th- Muncie. But then they also get fucking, you know, two, uh, Machado two yeah, years ago. Yep. They get Mookie Betts. Now they get Trey Turner and Max Scherzer. And they didn't give up anything. I know. They really they didn't, didn't give, give up, up too much. Anything. We had to give up, and I love Joey Gallo, but five, four or five prospects for Joey Gallo. Yeah, and then fucking Glenn Otto, who was the main guy, he just won the AAA pitcher yeah. of the week in the West. I'm like, God damn it. And like, yeah, Fuck. this year we finally got some like some big name talent besides Gallo. We got Rizzo too, and it's like, I hopefully he's not a rental. But it's like, we didn't really, like, besides the lefty bat, I mean, he has stellar defense. It's like, Luke Voigt was still there. Yeah. And it's like, but it, it's like, that was like the Dodger way. It's like, yeah, we have Corey Seager, but fuck it. Let's it's get tough Trey, shit. Let's it's get best, Trey Turner too. Yeah. It's why, why not be better? And it's like, it's like, you know what I think of like that? that? I think of Brian Basketball. <laughs> why not get better? Why not us? <laughs> He's like, yeah, fuck it. I've got five starters, but I'm going to bring in five transfers to replace him. Yeah. That's a Jared Grasso way. It's like, dude, you have to light a fire under these guys' ass because if you don't, they're going to get complacent on you. Yeah. And you like, we just, we need to win a World Series again. Yeah. I like that. So is Bryant basketball the Dodgers or are the Dodgers Bryant basketball is the question. <laughs> well, that's Jared in a couple of weeks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um man we're crushing this ball segment right now <laughs> um basketball uh we were talking about last last episode we did a few weeks ago how bad the usa basketball team was <laughs> and around. they did i mean they had a bad loss to france and then they got you know they just cruised through everyone else i think it just you know we, we left it at like oh shit these guys are a bunch of stars they don't Uh, They don't know how to play with each other because they're all just egotistical fucking, you know, I'm number one and that's just how it's going to be. I get the ball uh, all the time. And they finally started playing together and then they crushed Iran. They, I don't even know who they played afterwards, but they beat the shit out of everybody. Had a pretty, like, decently close game with France at the end, but they won. And now they're gold medalists. Yeah, Kevin Durant led the team. Uh, became the all-time leading scorer. Third straight Olympic for him. Fourth straight gold for Team USA. Uh, Dynasty back on. Dynasty is back on. I think so. Um, I think the biggest winners, though, of the Olympics were the players from different countries that got bags. Uh, Evan Fournier signed with the Knicks. Patty Mills Mm. signed with the Nets. Um, These guys just, like, made some money just for their show. Yeah. Even guys, like, on the, um, on, uh, what is it? Team USA did pretty well. I'm trying to think. Um Middleton or Drew Holiday signed an extension. Who, might be wrong. It was one of them. It might have been Holiday. I think it might have been Holiday, and he was going off. Um, Marcus Smart's on it, but he just got a bag. Who else was on that squad? It was not Holiday, was it? Fuck. Tatum got some new friends. He did. Um, he got Schroeder, who I don't think he played in the Olympics. No. It would have been for Germany, right? Yeah, Schroeder did not play. 
I don't know, but either way, like I, I can't. It was find it was still did very. Either of them get extensions, or they both still wrong. free agents? No, they're they're still part of the box. Because Middleton's contract's up. I think he got extended. Maybe he did. Either I can't way, keep track yeah, I can't keep dudes. track. The the NBA flips like a switch in like two yeah. years. So you don't even know who's playing where. But it was a fun Olympics overall. A great Olympics for Team USA as well. They got the most medals, most gold, sliding China by one. Um, it's cool, cool stuff, and it's like the fun part about this year. It's like knock on wood. Hopefully, we get the Winter Olympics this this February. Oh my God, that's right. Yeah, I totally forgot about that. I don't know how they're gonna do it though. It's in Beijing. Oh, dude, they can't fucking do that. I mean, they might in not Beijing. Have, yeah, I mean, they might have not have fans again, like it was in Tokyo. But you can't consciously like fly a bunch of athletes to China. Yeah. Knowing what we did, oh, I, uh, it's a dicey one. It's a dicey one. I'll uh, see the Olympic committee has to say. Yeah. I, I was, so, I'm just happy they didn't cancel this one. Yeah. No, it, even there if it was conversations, said, I was, they were going to cancel it and it was like, please don't. Thank God. Um, and it sucks because it's the only time we can see true, like patriotism in this country. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Not even everybody's they, united. Like it's like, everyone was just like breaking bread we're talking about like olympic athletes and like even they made like more political and shit like that it's like yo these people just train their whole lives and represent us like let's just cheer them on let's i just, know let's just enjoy the magic and the athleticism right now and cheer them on uh, yeah i i get it i get it um yeah the olympics are over that was like i feel like i didn't watch any of it but you see that meme it's like <laughs> It's like that NBC one. It's like, NBC, you're going to... So you're watching... Or it's The first frame of the meme is NBC. Like, we have the Olympics. Watch the Olympics and stuff. And then it's the person. It's like, oh, nice. You're going to tell us when it's on, right? And then it's they just never, the one of yeah. <laughs> looking tell, at yeah, the person. You're going to tell, well, right? tell us, right? Nope. I, I like. I just feel like I didn't see any of it. Um, and I tried. Like, I watched the swimming. I watched, you know, whatever the hell was on. But I feel like it was just, it came and went. Um, speaking of stuff that's coming up, Little League World Series coming up, too. Mm-hmm. I'm very excited for that. That'll be fun. Um, that would be sick if you could bet on the World, Little League <laughs> World Series. Yeah. But there's got to be some trial labor laws involved there because you're profiting off of children. Name, image, and likeness coming to the Little League World Series. That'd it be might, sick. It might. These kids will be, like, doing Capri Sun sponsorships and shit at 12 years old. Ah, fuck. Um, NBA Summer League is in full swing. I am impressed by one guy, and it's Jonathan Kaminga. That dude, I said it. I wish I had the tweet up. I told everybody, I go, the Warriors, you, you guys all just fucked up because that dude is going to be sick and you let the warriors have him and i am pissed off the warriors have a nice little trio which is crazy because they already have a nice trio of steph clay and draymond but moses moody kaminga and wiseman i mean that's a i know that's a nice 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 trio they're gonna be good like that is like if they keep that together and just like build around them them too and then they have steph and clay for another four more years it's like that's like the perfect vets to learn from. Like they're going to be, a, they're, they're, they're back in the West. They are, if everyone's healthy and they can gel together, they are so back in the West. I wonder what Dre is going to come back and play like though. You he, know, he kind of did fine in the Olympics. Yeah, it was, he was good. Yeah. Right. He, is he going to be himself? That's I mean, what I'm but now he doesn't really have to. He can play he more of like a, a, a laid back role, not a laid back role, but he can take less of a step and still provide like that, you know, 
high defensive IQ and, you know, still an aggressive style of play. Yeah, I was going to say he can just start and, like, be a really good defender and let yeah. everyone else, like, create around him, you know? Because he doesn't have to do shit. Yeah. Yeah, I think the Warriors, you got to watch out for them. Um, the Nets are a fucking wagon again, too. Yeah. And you add David Duke, uh, our guy at Providence College, who signed a contract. Good shit. I mean, he's on the roster. Um, they've got some decent bench depth this year. Mm-hmm. Like, when you've got, and he's probably not going to, you know, he'll probably be the fourth or fifth guy off the bench. You know, he'll probably get, like, I'd say off the cuff if he keeps playing the way he's doing now. He might get, like, ten minutes a game. But the point about the Nets is, like, they've got, they have so much depth. It's disgusting. And the Knicks are actually looking real good with depth, too, because they've got a bunch of young guys. They're all contributing offensively. Summer League team is sick. Obi Toppin should not be in that league. He's crushing. He is crushing, but, again, it's his... You know, I think it's good for him, guys like him oh, and IQ, yeah, because absolutely. it's like they missed out on it last year. So, yeah. but a nice core of those two, like I'm already envisioning the Knicks starting lineup. It's like you got Kemba at the one, you got RJ at the two, Fournier at the three, Julius at the four, Mitch at the five. Then you have your backup of Derrick Rose, Obi, IQ, um, Nerlens Noel, and like Kevin Knox, even if you wanted to throw him. But then you have like these young guys. It's like uh, Deuce McB- uh, McBride, Miles. Yeah, My- right. Well, yeah, well, yeah. Did they call him Deuce. They call him Deuce. That's, yeah. Holy shit, that's news. Uh, I love him. Yeah, that's Quentin a good pick. Grimes. Grimes is gonna be great. Uh, Jericho Sims, the Wall yep. of Jericho. Like those are some <laughs> solid three people. They also have that like uh, what's his name? Arge- Argentinian point guard. Oh yeah, what the hell? The guy they signed. You yeah. tell me about this yeah. dude. So like he he's an option. Like I love the death of this team. Um, the Knicks are going to be so back if they ride with the Tibbs system. It's I, I, I see them making a nice little playoff push again. Too. Randall now, Randall's got, Randall got himself a bag. He got himself a bag, well deserved. He yep. took he left some money on the table and was like, "Fuck it." He did. He knows what he's yeah. about to do. And uh, what do you get? Twenty seven mil over. What's intriguing about the Knicks though, and I didn't realize this till after, they the contracts that they signed. You know, Kemba Fournier the re-signs of Alec Burks and D-Rose and Erlens Noel and stuff like that, they all end in the next three to four years with the last last year voidable. I think like they're going to make a big run, a big, big run in a couple of years. They could. They've got money. So. You know, they've got money to spend and they've got good people. Zion, RJ. <sighs> ja. Oh. Form that big three. Stop it. Get LeBron on a one year and draft Bronny Jr. Oh my God. You've wanted, yeah, you've, that's not the first time you've said LeBron needs to finish his career in Knicks uniform with his son. Bronny Jr. and LeBron. So I'm putting two and two together. You want, you would like to see LeBron James. Wouldn't hate it. <laughs> wouldn't hate it. I mean, I would, uh, who wouldn't? Would not hate it. Just what are the, uh, like, I, I don't think it's realistic for LeBron to be like, fuck it, I'm just going to go to New York and see my son. Well, hold on. Let me it's, back up. If his son, is like, Dad, I want to play in New York. Maybe he will. Yeah. Maybe he'll be like, fuck it. Yeah, let's pack the family up. Let's go for a year. You know, they, they'll stay in Akron. You know, me and Bronny will get right. We'll have a little penthouse apartment or some shit and live it up and hookers and wine and no, stuff. he's and... a family man. He's a family man. <laughs> Come on. A lot of wine, though. A lot of wine. Okay, okay. why not? <sighs> 2025? 2024? Yeah, well, this son's going to be a junior in high school. I think it's 2024, yeah. So... At the end of this year, it'll be 2022, and then 2023 is his senior year of high school, and then he has to do at least one year in college no, in 2024. By then, by then, they're saying that it'll be straight from high school. Yeah, he probably won't have to. 
So 2024. That's when the contracts end. Mm-hmm. Or 2023. Book it. Book it. <sighs> okay. What numbers are you going to wear? One? One. <laughs> Maybe zero. I, I, like, I don't know that he wears zero. He doesn't strike me as a zero guy. Because it's just six and 23. Or they go fucking like one, two. Who like, are one for the Knicks? Anybody important? Derek Rose did for a minute. Uh, I, like, if he's he does important, now. important, but like. I don't know. Stoudemire was zero. Oh, Obi wears it now. No. Oh, Obi wears it number one. That's kind of cool. Basketball reference will have it. One. Only 14 guys. Yeah, Toppin, Bobby Portis, Moutier. Eh. Fuck him. Kevin Serafin wore it. Amo- oh, Amari. Amari, yeah, that's what I thought. Amari. Chris Duhon, the GOAT. Uh, Anthony Hardaway. Penny Hardaway. Who wore zero? <laughs> um, that was Penny Hardaway. That's his full name. Um, zero. Jared Harper's the most recent one. Shane Larkin. Okay. <laughs> and then Cantor wore double zero. Weird. Who the retired two? numbers are interesting up here. Two, two was... Uh, who's good on this list? Nate Robinson. The Knicks had Luke Cornett? Yeah. Wow. Hot second. I don't think he played. Wow. Langston Galloway. That's a, that's one. Felton. I did Ray not realize Felton. he wore number two. But then fucking Landry Fields wore number two. He was a bum. He was a bum. End of his career. I didn't know Robinson wore two. That was only for a year. Yeah. He wore eight the rest of the time? He must have. No. What, what, what number did he wear? Seven? No. I have no idea. Was he? In, I don't think. He, I don't think he was a Nick for long. Yeah, he was. He was there for longer than a year. To fact check. He on had that to have one. been. No, because where else would he? He played all over. Two thousand five to two thousand ten. Oh, he wore a bunch of numbers. Oh, okay. That's what it was. Four, two, three, ten, five, and eight. Yeah. Making he, sure he makes the team. And then he got his ass kicked by fucking Jake Paul. A TikToker. <laughs> it was Jake Paul, right? Or was it Logan? I, I think it was Jake. One of them. Oh, that's fucking bullshit. All right, that's... <laughs> oh, we got a lot done in that ball segment. Um, yeah, I'm excited for these next couple of weeks. This is where sports really start to ramp up again. Um, watch lacrosse for the... Professional lacrosse for the first time in my life this week. That was sick. Atlas and Water Dogs. Let's fucking go. PLL championship in a couple weeks. That shit is electric. Get ready. Water Dogs number one seed. They are a wagon. I think they can be stopped, though. Mm. I don't know why I'm talking about this because, you know, we, we're not proficient in the PLL yet, but <laughs> I think th- I think they can be stopped. That's all. I will float it out there, put it on record, and, you know, we'll, we'll revisit this when I'm wrong. Paul Rabel will get the asses in the seats. He... They're going to get their ass kicked first round. Yeah, I will. <laughs> Atlas and Cannons. The Cannons just suck. I'm sorry. Paul Rabel's very good, but the Cannons suck. Um, that's all for our show. Do you have Positivity Corner? No. All right. Um, no, nothing positive this week. <laughs> sorry, folks. Um, that's it for us. We've got a baseball guest next week. We've got some more beer. We've got some other stuff planned. So... Keep with us. Um, as always, blog full of talented writers. We've got some beer updates coming up for ourselves, and we've got a special Barstool beer guest as well. Did I spill? 
I, I mean, think we I already. <laughs> I mean, that was already. All right, released. it was, it was yeah. out in the open. It was yeah, out in the open. If you guys haven't seen fucking Wonton Don interacting with us, you guys are idiots. That's all. <laughs> and that's House Brewing Company news. Yes. Uh, that's our show. You know where to find us. Um, anywhere you subscribe to podcasts, make sure you hit that follow button on Spotify, Apple, wherever you listen. That's Will and I'm Jake. So long, folks. Take it easy.